The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Welcome back, everybody, to another Sell Better episode. On today's show, we're going to be covering how to re-engage prospects who are ghosting you. We've all been there. All your prospects are suddenly turning to Casper the Friendly Ghost. How about we make sure this doesn't happen at all and we keep conversations going forward? And as always, I love to know, where are you guys tuning in from? Throw it in the chat. Let me know. You're usually worldwide, so I love to see it. And one point about that, be sure that your chat is set to everyone. So click that blue button for me, that blue bubble in your chat and switch it to everyone. That way we can see what you guys are posting. I'm already seeing tons of answers here. We have someone from Brazil. Carlos, welcome. Love to have you here. Inez from Portugal. We have Shannon from Dallas. Thank you guys for tuning in. Wow, we have all over the place. This is this is great to see. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Love to have you here. Now, I'm tuned in with Hannah and Kristen. Hannah, what is one thing that you find is very important when it comes to ghosting? Should prospects be panicking when it happens? Um, prospects should be panicking because I'm coming <laughs> hard. But um, I think reps, um, I think less about panicking and more about recognizing when you're being ghosted i think it's um, we can get so busy with everything that we're doing that we don't actually realize hold up what i ain't heard from this person in a really long time like nothing's really happening so i think it's don't panic but learn to see the signs and hopefully we can cover that in enough detail today okay and kristen how about yourself should reps be panicking when ghosting happens i don't think they should be panicking but they should definitely be proactive um like hannah said sometimes you it you don't realize it's been 50 days since the last time you heard from them. And you can't just wait another week on that. You you need to, you need to act on that. Very true. Very true. Well, with that being said, I am here by my two incredible speakers. We have Kristen Connor. She is an enterprise account executive at user gems and Hannah Ajakiwo. She is a practice um, lead and go-to-market strategist at for EMEA at Scald Consulting. So thank you guys for joining us here today. It is a pleasure to have you. Oh, happy to be here. Now, we wouldn't be able to do this without our partners, Zoom Info. We love to have them. Thank you all. Uh, check them out if you haven't before. And of course, we have our drop of the day, which is our free custom prospecting list. Be sure to check it out. You can build your own prospecting list for free. And it's Zoom Info's information, which is always well taken. Now, before we get into it, what are we going to be covering? I want to know who is in the room. Do we have SDRs, AEs, frontline managers, maybe some senior leadership? Let me know. Throw it in there. It helps guide the conversation for us. If you guys put that it's SDRs and there's more SDRs here, I'm going to be asking SDR questions. If it's AEs, same thing. So be sure to fill this out for me and let me know. So what are we going to be covering? We're going to be showing you all the top signs that you are being ghosted, what to do when a deal stalls and the prospect goes radio silent, and why you shouldn't stop filling your pipeline, but more so advanced techniques with ghosting, what you can do beyond just reaching out to them over and over again. So let's do it. Now, I'm already seeing here that we have quite a few SDRs and AEs, more AEs in the room, actually, about 45%. Kristen, is this surprising to you? No, 
No, I'm I'm smiling because as AEs, uh, I think everyone gets ghosted, but um, AEs, I think, feel it super acutely because it can be in the later stages of the funnel, right? Whenever you're um, forecasting that or uh, or worse, have committed it. Very true. And Hannah, does it surprise you there's a lot of SDRs here? No, I love it. I'm like, you can get ghosted by that person that says, hey, I'm going to put time in with you. And you're like, dude, where did you go? so true uh but thank you guys for coming and welcome to the senior leadership and frontline managers so deals can go all throughout the span right you can have a sales cycle but ghosting can just happen hannah what happens when it's early on and can it happen later stages in the deal yeah i think um I think people just assume that once it's uh, once a company is deep into the sales engagement, like after a proposal, so to speak, like that's when ghosting happens. But it really is from day one. I think the moment that you have started to build uh, like mutual commitments, like you promise to do this, I promise to do that. And and it's not being fulfilled. That's when you start to see the signs. So I just said as a BDR and SDR, someone saying brilliant, love this. Right. They've responded to your thousandth email. And you're like, perfect. I'm going to tell my manager it's coming down the line. And then you just, you literally don't hear from them. And you're like, hey, just want to get that time in. Hey, here's my calendar link. Hey, hey, let me go and comment on their LinkedIn. Like, you want to try and get creative, but it can happen anywhere. And Kristen, has this happened to you before? And have you seen it where it's almost like they're kicking the can down the road? They are replying, but it's just very short. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that scenario where they're replying, they're friendly, I think that's the hardest time to realize that you're being ghosted um, because, you know, it's that they've pushed a meeting two or three times or they say they're going to bring someone or introduce you to someone who's higher in the organization or in a different department that you need to be part of your buying committee. And that just doesn't happen. And, you know, it's all good reasons. Um, but at the end, like you have to I think you have to really be careful to understand that actions speak louder than words. If they if it's important to meet with you, they're going to meet with you. Okay. Now, why do you think this happens? Uh, is it anything in particular? Kristen, I know you had some great points on this. You had about three points that had to do with why this might be occurring in the first place. Yeah. In my experience, there's only three reasons that prospects ghost us. Um, the first and by far the most common is because we didn't show enough value uh, in whatever conversation we had or in our prospecting efforts, right? Um, they also avoid us to your point later in the cycle to avoid giving us bad news. Um, they're having budget freezes. They're having budget cuts. This isn't, they're not actually the decision maker. Lots of reasons that lots of bad news that they don't want to give us. And then the third one is they're just fighting hotter fires. And especially in this market, in this climate, there's a lot that's going on out there. Okay. And Hannah, from your experience, what have you noticed have been the key elements why prospects just disappear? Um, I think so. One of the biggest things I noticed, and I, I'll speak with salespeople. So I spend most of my time like coaching, training salespeople, and building these processes, right? So uh, what I find is that we get a prospect into our sales process and we don't get into their customer journey. So in our head, they should be here. And they're like, I, I haven't, I'm not there. I'm, I'm not there. So it, it doesn't mean anything to me, right? So if, if that's the case, then um, it doesn't make sense for them to, to move forward, right? So there's just this massive disconnect. And I think that's something that we we often overlook. It's just, there's there's no next actions because that's not in line with my customer journey. And I think that's something that we miss, which actually creates more problems very, very early on in the sales process. 
I see. Now, Kristen mentioned earlier that you want to provide value. Hannah, what have you seen be the providing value per message? How do you actually know that you're providing value? I just always think to myself, I mean, I got to a stage in my career. Um, I don't have to do that much prospecting now, which is great. But um, I got to a stage where I was like, if I receive this message or I receive this contact, would I care? And I'm like, nah, delete, 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 delete. Right. Or you know what? I don't really know what to say in the message, but I know I can get on the phone and I can vibe and feel something out. Um, so I think that's it, it's that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, you got to You kind of kind of think, think for it in that way. Okay. And Kristen, what does value mean to you when you're sending it across? Is this, could be this be like a case study or is this more like things that they might care about? How about for yourself? Um, I'm going to upset some marketing people. Maybe I don't think we should ever send our own case studies ever. Okay. Unless, unless they explicitly ask. Sometimes they ask, Hey, can you send me a case study of a company like ours? Who's had success in that case, if they're asking for that, yes. Um, other than that, we should be providing value by um, being very consultative. So Cindy, I tend to send things from thought leadership, McKenzie, Harvard Business Review, things that they might not have time to read, but I'm summarizing that research for them in a way that aligns with the problem that I'm helping them solve, right? In my view, like Hannah, uh, it has to pass the smell test. It has to be something that I would want to get. And kind of the mindset I think of it is I want anything they get from me, I want them to say, gosh, I would have paid money for that. If they wouldn't have paid money to be on that call or to receive that, the insight I'm giving them in that email, it, it, I shouldn't have sent it. I really like that. Now I want to hear from our audience. Have you guys been ghosted before? I'm not talking about dating. This is solely in sales. Have you been ghosted before? This has happened. <laughs> okay, I'm already seeing the poll just massively skewed to the yes. Uh, a lot of people are replying to this. And thank you guys for it because it is it happens. It happens a lot. Now, Hannah, what is uh, one way that you like to dig deeper to understand what might be valuable for your prospect? Mm. So I, I, so Kristen pointed to it slightly, which is just about... Um, about the problem that you, you've uncovered, right? Um, but I always break it down into an issue where something is just fundamentally broken, a challenge where they're trying to overcome something or an opportunity. So like, oh my God, there's a land grab. There's something that we can go after. Um, and if you if you haven't established that, you, you're kind of just winging it. You're just assuming too much, right? So mm. once you really clearly establish that, you can just align your entire interaction based around that theme. You're trying to solve for this. Every time I find something, I want to be able to share that with them and summarize it. Did you hear that? Voice notes, not so formal as well. Break out of all of this. I must write a formal email. Pop them a voice note on WhatsApp if you're messaging them on iMessage, on LinkedIn. Hey, just saw this. Quickly check out that thing. I sent you an email because that's that's the relationship you should be um, developing, not this dear sir, mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this? Right. No one wants that. Get get get. If you're excited to help solve for everything that's coming up for them, then you should be, you should be like garnered towards that. I don't think we do that very well. Mm, I like how you mentioned that. It's almost like you are their friend and you're seeing their interest rise. You want to send your friend, you know, what they might find interesting. You got to treat it the same way. It's a relationship there. Now, um, this this question actually got a massive 99% of people here have been ghosted before. And I'm seeing in the chat that. People are saying that like Jeff here says, I this I have a really big account, right? And this is actually arising for me. Kristen, coming from enterprise, 
what type of advice would you give Jeff? Um, well, I mean, def- definitely happens um, in enterprise. Enterprise deals are so long that it's very easy to lose momentum. Um, and that's like, there's a number of things. I like to go back to maybe folks that are um, lower, maybe in the organization, reps, users to find out what is happening in the organization? Because sometimes those people are a little faster to, to be able to tell you to be like, hey, I'm noticing your leadership is, you know, haven't heard from them in a minute. What's going on? You guys are going through a reorg. Like, so you can go kind of low to get intel because those people aren't getting hammered on LinkedIn or in their inbox all the time. And especially if the problem we're solving is going to help that end user, like mm. they're going to want to see you succeed and they'll tell you like, hey, you know, X, Y, Z is going on. And to Hannah's point, I think it should be multi-channel. Um, LinkedIn message, uh, if people are active on LinkedIn and they see it, like at the, especially at the user level, people will tell you things over LinkedIn message that they would never put in their company email because it's not on the record for their company. And so like call or text if possible, but LinkedIn message is a great way for people to be able to share a little bit more freely what's happening in their organization. Okay. Now I saw here that you actually have an example for us, Kristen. Can you break this down? Uh, let me go ahead and share it. That would help the audience. <laughs> uh, can you break this down for us? What exactly are we looking at here? So, um, so this is an email that I actually currently use uh, to move things, keep momentum in a cycle. You can also send it to um, you know help people start responding again. But to Hannah's point, this is when you're uncovering, when you've uncovered a problem, then you send things to them that are talking about how do we actually, you know, how do you actually solve that problem? Here's how thought leaders are saying, you know, this problem is important. How are you solving this now? Just to prompt them to get back in touch with you because leaders, if we're at the right level in the organization, right, a leadership level, and they are fighting 10 very hot fires and they've slept since the last time they've talked to us. So you have to remind them, this is the pain that we're solving for you. How are you going to do that? Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. And we talked about a little bit in the pre-call, Hannah. I heard that a common thing that's happening right now is a lot of companies are kind of fighting these fires, but worried about the economy. And they're worried that things might be on fire around them. Have you found that that stress is causing more prospects to ghost? Yeah, I I think um, I don't think it's causing more prospects to ghost if you are establishing a certain type of relationship up front with a prospect where you can have both great and difficult conversations where they will say, right now I'm struggling. I feel insecure in my role um, where there's so much changes happening. You know, I've sat with a with a prospect well, client slash prospect because there was a different division. But, you know, they explicitly said, I'm presenting my strategy to the board. And if they say no, I'm out. It's a waste of time for me to be here. So I'm letting you know that is going to impact mm. the revenue that you currently get from us straight up. So I was like, alarm bells, like, okay, <laughs> at least I know about that. And I can work on that. But I think, um, I think just rolling it back, I wanted to just um, uh, offer something out to Jeff, because um, he said he's got a big deal. And I think someone else said as well, uh, which is just slightly to the left, if you don't mind, Adrian, but it's something around um it, just think about a time when you've you had a meeting, right? Hour in a diary and a prospect or even someone in your team has said, hey, um, I know we had an hour, but I got to jump out at 45 minutes because I've got a call to quickly take and then I'll be back for the last 
five minutes, right? I, I'm I'm guessing everybody's experienced that, particularly as we're in the Zoom slash other things economy. Now, one thing that we do is we're like, hey, you know, next steps in this sales engagement or whatever is X, Y, and Z. What we need to be doing, right, to kind of preempt ghosting is saying, hey, we're going to be in this sales interaction for about three months. It's going to take about three months to get a final decision on a yes or no. Flip open your diary. What's happening over the next three months? Like, let's just see the points where it's going to go quiet. I'm going to tell you when I'm out. You tell me when you're out, when your team's got an offsite. Like, if you get that level of visibility into their entire journey with you, because it's likely to be about three months, right? That's the average time. Then you know when you're not being ghosted and you're not, if your manager like, oh my God, oh, we're sending these very weird emails like please oh you don't care about growing your team oh my god like <laughs> yes they do shut up right so but if you have that you don't do that often I guarantee hardly anybody on here has said open your diary let's just see what the next six months look like who knows like when are you out for your family holiday right do that and you're not fretting so much like you don't, you're not fretting so much so yeah just think about things like that and you'll just see what comes up I see now Caitlin here in the chat asks is this kind of like a mutual action plan nope different this is a relationship and engagement plan i want to know because we will say things and i tell you when we do these things right at the end of the sales process when you send out the, the, uh, the we send out the proposal right or we send out the contract and we're like what's going to stop this from signing have you got a holiday you know who else is involved is the decision maker going to be in the office we do that then but we don't do the full engagement cycle so we can pinpoint times of quietness mm. where it's like dude why were you emailing me so much and why did you go over my head to my boss I literally had a, I was out with my family. Now you've broken a relationship. Like you could, if you asked me questions, you would have established that, right? I've, I've experienced that in my junior days. So just think about stuff like that. So it's very different. Okay. And I see here, I've been saying you need a ridiculous amount of rapport building uh, with a champion to do this. Kristen, how do you like building rapport from the get-go uh, so that way you can build a stronger relationship? Yeah, I agree. I mean, there has to be a certain level of trust for them to be open enough to tell you, you know, when they're, when they're going um, out on holiday. And I think at that point, yeah, you have to, they have to know, be convinced that you can help them solve their problem or otherwise it's just not important enough. And so I think that can actually be a litmus test because I think, Hannah, I think it's a great idea, but if you have someone who's balking at that, then I think you can say like, Oh, I think it sounds like we just haven't built enough value. It sounds like you might not, you know, we might not be at the stage where you think, you know, where you're convinced that we can solve your problem. Um, but I think being how we build that rapport is being very consultative and truly understanding the problem that they want to solve, to Hannah's point, where they are in the buying process versus what we want to sell them. Um, mm. And telling them, you know, and telling them honestly, if they are looking for something other than what we have, just straight up saying it like, this is not a good fit for you. And maybe, and especially if you sell, you know, if you're, if you work in a company that has 10 SKUs or 300 SKUs, you can especially say, Hey, what you're looking at is really not what you should be looking at. I think you probably need this, um, or, or gently challenging the way that they're, maybe that your product is a great fit, but the way they're thinking about using it is not the best use. I mean, I'm a mechanic at, that I go to religiously because they tell me you don't, you don't need this thing. I refer them to all sorts of people because they tell me what I don't need. I think as salespeople, there's no better way to build rapport. Rapport can be a substitute word for just trust, right? And and how we just being honest. 
Okay. So that is a very valid point. Uh, rapport is more about trust. And I like how you mentioned that you can identify whether or not you've already built enough value with them by kind of just getting to this point. If you ask them a personal question, are you going on holiday? And they kind of push back. Now you understand where you're at in that relationship and you can build from there. So keep that in mind, everyone. Uh, Maybe use this as a litmus test for where you're at with your prospect. Exactly. So we know that we want to continue the conversation and this person has ghosted. So what do you actually send them, right? What what can you do um, to make sure that the conversation is actually going forward uh, in a right way? Now, Hannah, you mentioned a good point in the pre-call that it's not so much about how many times you guys have communicated, but how well you understand each other. Uh, can you tell me more about that? Um, I, th- I think it's just a, so you know when I was talking about just a broader engagement, right? Uh, um, I know we, we hear things about like upfront contracts, right? And like, I, I really do feel like you have to establish some like ground rules about how we're going to engage. Like, what does it look like? And we we actually don't do that. I listen to hundreds of calls right <laughs> um that's that's part of my job and and we don't often do that where we're like this is just what the next few months look like and these are the things that we need to do so it's if you have developed that understanding and you have um a relationship where you can actually um lean into them a bit when they're not doing the things that they promised and vice versa then it you know i i can message you five times in a week because hey you said by friday we really really need to get this done so i'm going to be like listen adrian i i I'm just here to help you out, right? Let's. I, I know that you told me that I can put a bit of pressure on you. I asked permission. That's another thing that I think you should do, ask permission. Hey, if you don't get things done, how do you like me to come at you? I've had a client say, I'll be honest, your colleague, this is like m- many moons ago, your colleague used to make things too complicated because it was a team, right? So, and, and I just ignored it. I don't like spreadsheets. They said, I don't like spreadsheets. If you actually just send me a voice note, right? Because you've got my message, like my phone, that helps it because it's it's less complicated. If you So they got, they ghosted for two, three months until someone else changed tax. No more spreadsheets. No more spreadsheets. You want to keep... <laughs> <laughs> I like how you bring that up. Uh, so how about when it comes to um, mutual agreements? Like, do you want to have a mutual agreement in place? Kristen, do you, have you found that this works? Yeah, I mean, I think you always want to, to this point, you always want to establish next steps and and you have to be able and you have to be able to control the call or control the time of the call enough to be able to establish that, right? So that's the first part is making sure that you're watching your time, you have enough time. And then buyers are our buyers are experts in how to do their jobs. They are not experts in how to buy this thing that we have. And so we have to, t- like, if again, if we're being consultative, we have to tell them, okay, yeah, generally this evaluation tends to take about three months. These are the, these are the five people in your organization that are typically involved in this process. And, you know, it, that, and that's at the beginning. And then you, you always want to say at the end, typically next steps look like now we send our terms to procurement while we are going under um, a scrutiny with your IT team, these are things that we can do all together at the same time. So you're teaching, you need to teach them how to buy. And you're, you're telling them, this is what I'm going to do on my end. This is what you need to do on your end. Find out who in legal is going to be reviewing this, et cetera. Um, and, and yeah, and to Hannah's point, then hold them accountable to that because you're trying to help them 
establish an outcome that is beneficial to them, right? The, the best kind of purchase they can make is something that's going to advance their career. You're helping them be a hero in their own organization. And part of that is holding them accountable to the timelines because they've got a hundred of them. You know, to your point, Chris, and I, I like how it kind of sticks with just being forward. You want to be very straight up with your prospect. Hey, this is who we need to reach out to, to make this actually work and for you to be the hero of this story. Uh, so do you think ambiguity plays a big role in this, Hannah? Uh, should things be more straightforward? Should reps be a lot more straightforward with their with their prospects? I think, um, and if I pronounce the name wrong, I'm sorry, I think it's Avi or Avi said, um, you know, what about when the individual's pretty flaky? We, you will get some people who they're just not mobilizers internally. They're not like, hey, I'm going to go and like sh- kick down my manager's door and say, we need to speak to Adrian because this is something that we have to do now. Um, so sometimes, yeah, you do have to step in. But w- when it comes to ambiguity, it's so to Kristen's point, being very, very crystal clear on what is happening. So mm-hmm. what we do a lot, particularly when we get to the mid stage, is we hear things like, I'm just going to go back to my team and I'm going to reconnect with you. And then we are satisfied because they've set another date with us that we find out gets pushed, but um, they set another date with us. So we kind of like tick the box. We can transition it in, in our sales process. Right. But when it's like, you know, a good sales leader will say, so what are they going to do by when with who, how, how are we helping them? What's our role in that? And it's like, Oh, they just said they're going to go back to their team. Isn't, aren't they going to do that? No, (laughs) they're not. They're going to go to sleep. Right. So we need to um, remove ambiguity and understand what each person is doing, but the role that we play to do it together I like when they have to give me something and I've got to give them back something. Someone said to me today, hey, Hannah, what more do you need from me to, to really give me? A, he's like, I want to do this. What more do what you need from me? Um, like, who do you need to speak to? And I was like, you're selling it to yourself. This is great. <laughs> but like, what, what more do you need to send me a quote? And I'm like, brilliant. All right. Just this one extra detail. But um, sometimes we won't have people like that. So remove ambiguity. Be very, very, very clear. Dates, times, actions, people, all of those pieces. Okay. Now I saw an earlier comment in the chat talking about the value that you got to present. Kristen, how can you identify or what can you do uh, when you know you haven't provided enough value? Yeah. So I think to what we've been talking about, which is being upfront and transparent. I have sent emails when a call didn't go well with the subject line of apologies. (laughs) 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 Opened uh, where I literally said, Hey, that did not go well. Like, and I apologize for that. Here are the two points of value where I think that we can help you based on the problem that you're solving. And if they, and I've done um, where they had specific questions about, you know, something that our software could do. I have recorded like uh, a video for them to be able to watch it in two minutes rather than say, Hey, can you give me another 30 minutes? I've already, I've already run a bad meeting. Why would I ask for more? (laughs) Um, So, I mean, just, just absolutely falling on the sword. Um, the second thing is sometimes that doesn't work because, uh, you know, they've already given you time and they don't want to speak to you again. And then that's whenever I go um, to like an end user level within the organization and say, hey, I've talked to X, Y, and Z leader. We're talking about these initiatives. I'd love to know how this affects you. I'd love to know your advice about how, you know, how you think this can impact the organization. And lots of people in the organization can tell you who's who in the zoo and what and what the internal politics and all the things that are going on. Um, so I love to go a, a bit um, differently in the organization because people don't always speak candidly to their leaders. And if you mm-hmm. can tell them, hey, your teams are struggling with this. And I've heard this 
from 10 people in two departments, and here they are, um, that many times will re-engage a leader because they may have a hunch that that's going on, but they can't quantify it. And all of a sudden you're bringing them quotes back to the table of things that their team is saying. This is great. Now I want to actually hear from our audience. Have you guys been able to bring back a ghosted deal? Are you guys in the trenches surrounded by ghosts or have you actually been able to revive the deal and bring it back to life? We'd love to hear from you all if this happens often for you. Now, Hannah, when it comes to reminders, I think a lot of people can feel a little hesitant about this because they feel like they might be annoying, right? Uh, How can you do reminders correctly? I like um, Kristen's point about uh, just taking more of a multi-channel approach because the thing about reminders is sometimes people aren't actually seeing them, right? So it's like send an email and they're like, I missed it. Like I miss it. I miss emails. Like as a leader, I get emails from, you know, a ton of clients as well as internal stuff and research and whatever. So um, I, uh, I, you want to, you know, did you, did they see it? <laughs> so sometimes it's just like, just, and, and also don't make your, um, your reminders be a repetition like it needs mm. to like let it let it bounce off of each other so as i said i'll send a voice note because i know someone's always on linkedin to say hey go back and check that email i sent at 2 p.m like let let it complement each other right create a bit of a web because then you're gonna it's not gonna sound like you're harassing me it's like oh no just just kind of like creating that web because i don't know what, what you're going to respond to i haven't quite got there yet particularly early on in the um in the uh in the in the process where you're like we've only had like that one initial call where they were a little bit interested so um so yeah reminders i me i, I it's maybe it's my personality i would literally be like did you die <laughs> what's up right okay i've used that once and i was like probably not again but don't don't do that please don't do that um but but i have i have got to that stage like you literally harassed me for three months and wanted everything and then you disappeared i'm concerned Mm-hmm. <laughs> what happened mm-hmm. like genuine concern so yeah just just think about that there's no there's no reminder is too many <laughs> all like, right so i want to hear from our audience put a one in the chat if you feel you could do use better reminders or a two if you guys just have your reminders down packed you're already doing this multi-channel approach uh which is great to see uh, tons of ones already blowing up in the chat we got some twos so Kristen, with that multi-channel approach, do you like to do light touches? Kind of like how Hannah said, like, hey, I'm just kind of bumping this up on LinkedIn, letting you know I sent this email. Or are you more straightforward with it? Either or, I think it's a both. And I agree um, with, like I said, with a multi-channel approach where the voicemail, you're not expecting someone to, or the LinkedIn voice message, you're not Im- expecting them to call you back or voice message you back. It's just an advertisement for what you've already sent and Mm. yeah. And the multi-channel approach. The other thing that I have done, um, especially in late stage deals where they, things have just like fallen off a cliff where I, they want, I know that they want to get the deal done. There's momentum in the organization and all of a sudden they're, they aren't responding many times. That's because they said that they're fighting hotter fires. There's a sudden crisis in the organization. And to, so um, what I've done is um, I have actually sent them, like a huge, like Yeti, like the biggest Yeti tumbler that I can find and mail it to their office. Um, and this was more when people were in the office, but send it to them um, and saying like, and just with a handwritten note that says, you know what, you, I haven't heard from you. You have got to be buried. You must need as much caffeine as you can possibly have. Take this. And whenever you, when you get your head back above water, you know, just give me a call. And that instantly 
gets a response because it's it's human it's empathetic Mm -hmm. like we've had this six month long relationship you're not doing this for no reason like you know and it's and again it stands out like how many packages do you get in the mail versus how many emails do you get in a day i really like how you mentioned that like you're being very human you know like okay this person's going through something let me actually identify that they are and help them with it in some way Now, Hannah, this brings up a great point, which is just more advanced uh, ghosting tactics. You got to know when you can move a prospect back in the process. Like they may be later in the deal, but maybe that trust hasn't been built. How do you know it's time to maybe restart that relationship on a better foot? Yeah. I mean, the most robust customer journey slash sales process builds will really highlight the intricate details that need to happen on both sides. And I think, as I said, sometimes we take our prospects on our journey and we're not on theirs at all. Um, but when it comes to, I, I just made a caveat in the in the chat, but there is, there's reminders because you've got good rapport and you know that someone is generally just forgetting something. They're a bit flaky and they're like, Hannah, chase me up because I'm going to forget. But there's also people that are like, I, I literally don't want to do business with you. And I'm just going to, I'm not even, I'm never going to respond. So I have this thing around making sure I've covered all bases. Like, okay, this was the problem. I spoke about that. We had the call. I spoke about that. I, you know, you asked for pricing. We discussed that. Like if I've covered all those bases now, my, my last, it's not a breakup because I I don't do that. I'm too old for that now, but, um, but we are going to say something around like the way I like to do business and the way in which we said we're going to do business is to make sure that we have transparency and all that stuff right now. Like, I don't know where things are and it, it it doesn't look like we're going to be able to move forward on the right step. Like what's going on here. So I think you, you once you've covered all bases, it's just like, goodbye. I'm, I'm just not, in, there's, there's no reason for me to ever message you back. Mm. And I think I put a status on LinkedIn. I, I had like one deal like that last year. Um, and I, I, to the point that if they message me now, I'd just say, we're not going to do business because the way in which they conducted themselves. And I promise you, it feels weird, particularly in the early stages of your career. But as you get, um, you'll find that that will be a waste of time, a problem customer for customer success. They will never be satisfied. If they couldn't, if they could ghost you for six months and then come back, they will always be a problem. You know, I uh, love how you mentioned that. You know that they're going to be a problem this is going to be an issue going forward. Does that even make them a good client for the future is a very good question to ask yourself. And Kristen, I know you like to implement a three-strike policy, and this seems a little controversial in in the chat. Some people are like, don't like it. I do like it. What do you like to do? Yeah. I mean, everybody's comfort level is different and you have to know where you are in the deal. Because like I said, like there are some really late stage deals where I knew what was going on and they ghosted me for, you know, quite a long time. And then I sent them a coffee mug and they didn't do that. You know, I think it, it just depends on where you are. Um, but to his point, like there are just some people who aren't going to do business with you and they, you know, they might take a demo and then they agree to a next meeting because that's what you've asked them to do. But they just did that to get off the, off the phone and off the meeting and they're not going to, they're not going to keep it. And so they cancel that meeting. And then you reach out a couple more times because you, you know, maybe identified a problem but yeah, I like, so the three strikes you're out, especially early stage is I've tried contacting you three different times in three different ways, phone, LinkedIn message, LinkedIn voice, you know, text, email, like whatever, whatever the three different channels are that you can use. And then if they're just not responding, then yeah, I don't, why would I want to keep that in my pipeline? It's, it's not worth it. Um, it, it's just, it's an utter waste of time. 
to do that whenever it's clear, especially early on, that they just don't have enough interest to follow up. Now, the other thing I do whenever I take them out of my pipeline is I put them in a nurture sequence that has continual like value added things that are going to hit them every six Mm -hmm. weeks or so, because it Mm -hmm. keeps me top of mind because, you know, maybe they were interested, but they've got budget freezes and, you know, and people aren't always great communicators. They should be upfront with you and tell you, I love this, but I can't, but people are not perfect and they're not great communicators always. And so I just like to do something that's going to keep them, keep me top of mind, very light, no call to action, but it's just something that when they're ready, if they ever are ready, they know where to find me and how to come back. Okay. I'm seeing actually a great question here in the chat. Um, And it's about the ghosting that happens due to financial reasons, uh, which is a hot topic right now. Hannah, what kind of questions do you ask so you can uncover if this might be an issue for your prospect? Straight up. The economy is in a place where people are struggling. Everything costs a lot more. I noticed that a decline in headcount over the last three months using SalesNav Insights how is that impacting your team, your plans and the things that we were discussing? Mm. I mean, people like, hopefully you want to have that conversation on the phone. We don't want to really want to be doing that over email too much miscommunication, but just, just ask, because they will be like, Oh, thank God. Right. And I was going to say, like, think about something as, um, I'm just thinking about this, about ghosting. And I'm, I ghosted my friend tomorrow. He's like, he's been asking is in the group chat, who's coming out. I'm just not responding. How about that? (laughs) I'm just, I'm just not responding because I don't want to tell him that I'm not coming. We do it ourselves, right? We don't want to give bad news. You don't want to be that person. So that's what we do. That's human nature. But if he came to me and was like, hey, Hannah, are you coming out? I know, like, you know, it's quite far. I'd be like, nah, dude, can't come. So just think about that. If he's bringing that to me in, and we've got that trust, I think a prospect will just come back and say, yeah, you're right, Hannah. Can't do it. It's just not going to work. Okay. And Kristen, I know you like to utilize a scorecard to kind of know where a prospect could be at in this process for you. Uh, Could you break this down for us? Yeah. So this is really about, um, I came up with this um, as working enterprise deals. I was, there were probably 12 deals that I had in various stages in my pipeline, but I knew that to make my number, I could really only concentrate on six of them. So these, so at like mid-stage deals, I started to look at what are the things that are, that indicate that this is going to be a good deal for me, a good deal for them, and somebody that I really can invest the amount of time that you need to invest to get an enterprise deal done. And so everybody's criteria are going to be a bit different, but so like one of them is, you know, they invest heavily in tech related to my product. So I know because I'm selling like a best-in-class solution, if they buy other best-in-class solutions, like that makes them, you know, a pretty good prospect for me. I have the second one is like, there's a coach who gives me an inside scoop. If there's no one in that organization who is helping me along that they're going to, that deal loses, loses value. It loses points for me because you're just flying blind. Um, Metrics. If I've asked for metrics and they've given them to me rather than just this vague, like, oh, we just want to be better. No. Mm. What, what specific metric are we are you hoping that we can impact? And by by what amount? Do you want to get better by 6%? Do you want to get better by 26%? Like the more specific they are, the, the more valuable that deal is. Um, you know, being responsive, um, having a low number of obstacles. Like if someone tells you like, well, this is the first time we've ever tried to do this. And our procurement process is generally two years long. And I'm looking at six months till the end of the year. Like I'm still going to maintain contact with them, but it's, I'm not, that's not going to be my top priority because 
they've never done this before and we have a lot of headwinds. Um, uh, also, like they have a they have a compelling event, right? Some they're the leader is new and trying to make a splash for themselves. They are they've cut headcount, and what I can do is help them do more with less. They have a specific target that is a C level priority. Anything that is a compelling event, because many of our all of our problem products and solutions self or address problems that people should address, but it's many times the compelling event. They know they should do it, but it's that compelling event that's going to actually make them take action. And that's definitely one of the most important things on, on any scorecard I would use. Okay. So guys, take a screenshot of this scorecard. It could help you for your future yeah. deals. Uh, okay. This is actually a great resource here. Now, we have enough time for Q&A, but before we get into it, Hannah, where can the people find you? Ah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Chris, uh, both uh, Kristen and I are, are quite vocal on LinkedIn. Um, I post a lot of random stuff around sales <laughs> and talk about, I actually posted something around ghosting and senior decision makers and my computer's gone crazy. So I can't actually send you my profile, but I will now. So LinkedIn. <laughs> is the place. Fantastic. And Kristen, where can the people find you? Yeah, same. LinkedIn is also also the place to find me. Um, they can find a link to uh, my newsletter there, and then my website where I do some coaching for early stage um, reps. So I'd love to love nice. to talk to people that way. Fantastic. Now let's just get right into the Q and A because we got a little bit of time here. I've been asked prospect ghosted a meeting three times. What's your action when you are scheduling the next time? Uh, Hannah, what advice would you give Ivan? I, and you're going to see a theme here. Hey, the last three meetings that we booked, you've pushed. Is it the timing? Is it the date? Like, what's going to be the best way for us to get this information over to you? Um, so I had a, um, a CSM who was in a similar position. So not a prospect, but a client. They just wouldn't meet. And what we found out is I said, what's the value that you need to deliver to them? What's the exchange? And they said, I need them to know these five things. I said, go record a video, send it, problem solved. So you have to think about if your process may be getting the meeting in, but actually they may you might accelerate a deal further by actually just giving them what they need about you being doing it synchronously. So I just tell them that they, they don't seem to want to meet, but they want the outcome. How else can we get there? Okay. And Hope here asks, she has quite a few questions. So I'm just going to get one of the main ones here is how much time in between the ghosting do you usually give them for a breather if they haven't shared what's going on? Kristen, what do you like to do in this situation? It depends on the it depends on the length of the sales cycle. Um, because if, if this is going to be an 18 month sales cycle, like there's going to be times where, you know, there it's just going to be quiet. Um, if you have a, you know, six week sales cycle, that's, that's completely different. It might've completely gone off the rails if they haven't responded in, in three weeks. So the sales cycle is, um, is one thing to consider. Um, the, the stage of the deal is another thing to consider. Like if you're, trying to get a second meeting that's different than you've already presented pricing right i mean and you should have already built some rapport but i mean you what you never want to do is like you never want to make it feel like spam right like and and when that what causes that to happen is when our follow up becomes about us and not about them mm. That is a very key point there, guys. Write that down. It's when the follow-up becomes about us and not about them. It's always about your prospect. Remember that. Well, this uh, kind of concludes our time here today. Thank you so much, Hannah and Kristen, for joining us. This has been a fantastic conversation. It has been a pleasure breaking this down with you all. And of course, thank you to our wonderful audience for attending. 
I uh, hope you guys actually got a lot out of this. If you have any additional questions, feel free to reach out to us on LinkedIn. We are very responsive. And as always, be sure to follow us at Sell Better by JB Sales. And we will catch you on the next one. See you later.